Dear Asian Girl, For Asian Girls, By Asian Girls. Hey everyone, this is Naina. I'm here with Melissa and also our guest, Nan, here to talk about voter suppression in the AAUPI community. And you are a member of the Asian Act, Asian Youth Act organization. So will you mind introducing yourself? Yes, thank you for having me here today. My name is Nan. I am a co-founder and the executive director at Asian Youth Act. So I'm super excited to be collaborating with you. Just to talk a little bit about Asian Youth Act, our main focus is really focused on two main pillars of one being research. We prioritize having good research in general, just because education is a huge part of activism and being sure that we can empower people. On the other hand, we are big on making sure that people's voices are being heard and that we prioritize communication within a community because without one another, we cannot make as much change as possible. So that's a little bit about Asian Youth Act. Thank you so much for that. And I just to kickstart this conversation, I wanted to talk with us, start with us talking about our relationship and our family's members' relationship to politics, just because a politicism, I feel like it's a huge part of, you know, voter suppression. And yeah, this can include whether or not politics were openly discussed at home, if our parents are active voters, et cetera, because I'm just going to start off with my personal experience. That wasn't necessarily the case for me. And sort of the notion, the mentality for it personally was like discussing American politics is like futile. It doesn't concern us because we don't have like a large say in it. We aren't necessarily represent, represented in it. So we don't have an incentive. Was that the same in your guys' end or what was your experience? As for me, I my family does not have an American citizenship as of current, so we do have our green cards. And because of that, we haven't been too politically active in previous years. Of course, with this year, though, there has been a lot of controversy with Trump and Biden. And this year, my family was extremely active in saying what our opinions are. So within my family, we do have some conflicting views and it can be very difficult. And I know a lot of households have been uh, grappling with this issue, right? But I would say in previous years, my household just typically didn't talk about it, mainly because we were worried about other issues. Politics was kind of like this faraway thing. Government is just there, not too big of an issue in regards to us. It's We didn't ever think of it as something that would really directly affect us too much, regardless of the outcome, right? But nowadays, especially with more engagement from especially BIPOC communities, our family also decided that we would become a little more engaged. What about you, Melissa? Yeah, so I would say my parents are also um, not citizens. They have green cards and they are definitely not involved in politics at all. They, They stay very apolitical. And then when I bring up politics, they're kind of like, why, why are you even talking about that? Like, we don't even have a say, like you said, because they can't vote in elections. Um, 
However, I also think it does have a part to do with just Asian Americans being excluded from politics overall throughout history. Um, and I think that that is why older generations of Asian Americans tend to stay more apolitical. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like in the way political campaigns are run where they exclude us from, you know, their target or like the outreach. And also just, I think a main thing is like lack of representation because, you know, seeing a lack of representation in our government just contributes to how like inclined we are to participate. Like despite the flaws, like, you know, despite the problematic aspects of this politician, like when Kamala Harris became, you know, more of a prominent candidate for vice president, like I myself became more inclined to watch the news, more inclined to watch, you know, vice president debates. And then by extension, it became more involved and like more like knowledgeable about the 2020 election. And I think that's a good example of how when we see yourself represented, like that'll make us, you know, more inclined and provide more incentive for us, you know, pay attention to politics more but for like Asian Americans I feel like we just are so disconnected from that and we just feel like so far apart from it because like one we're not being you know we're not our voices aren't being given like you know the significance they deserve in the way you know like like I said you know politics are run like the way you know we are being voter suppressed and like the way you know it could be very challenging for us to go vote because of the ways you know there are like many flaws in it and yeah just um what do you think non like in terms of that Absolutely. I think that I know a few people who are completely almost unaware about the elections. So this is talking more of first generation immigrants who may be friends with my parents. And a lot of them actually do have their citizenships, yet they are not aware of the process. No one really, rather than no one, it's more so the people who are spreading awareness and information, they're not being heard as much. They are not being uplifted. Hence, a lot of first-generation immigrants or people who may not be too familiar with the democratic process, it can be extremely difficult. And on top of that, going back to what you said, actually, a lot of people aren't even reached out to, especially within the AAPI community. They aren't reached out to in terms of just about the election and how are they supposed to know what to look for what information they should be seeking if they're not even reached out about the election in the first place right yeah and I think that's why representation is so important I mean not only in politics but in general because um I know I didn't even feel like as an Asian American girl I didn't even feel like I had a say in politics and that um, that could ne never be something that I would be able to pursue because I've never seen someone that was Asian American pursuing politics, especially a woman. Um, and I think like even in high school, I mean, this is obviously a very like small scale example <laughs> compared to Asian American voter suppression as a whole. But um, I know even in high school, I first was like exposed to the idea of like Asian Americans being in politics when in JSA, this like politics civic engagement club, I saw other Asian American women, upperclassmen debating. And I was like, whoa, I have never seen this like in my life. I didn't even know that was like a possibility for me, honestly, just because I know that's silly to say, but like I grew up in a very white, predominant, predominantly white neighborhood. And I just never knew that like 
I could pursue something like that. And that's why representation is so important. I think if there was more representation for Asian Americans in politics, I feel like that could open up people, open up Asian American families in general to um, feel like they have more of a say in politics um, and feel like they can make a change within our political system. Um, and also I think it's important to consider that Asian Americans couldn't vote until 1952 um, with the McCarran-Walter Act. That was, I think like people like, tr it's hard to put that in perspective, but that was literally like about 70 years ago. Like that is such a shorter amount of time than we think it is. Um, and I saw something interesting in like, I forget what documentary I was watching, but that like um, American media and the American government puts like pictures in black and white and things like that to make it yes. seem like- Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was only 70 years ago. Like in our lifetime, our parents, um, wait, no, our grandparents. <laughs> yeah, grandparents would, yeah. weren't even able to vote until nine, 1952. And I think that's crazy. There's Actually. so many examples of that that, like, apply to the BIPOC community, like, with Rosa Parks, you know, they made it seem like, oh, like, such a long time ago, like, she, you know, denied uh, being forced, you know, move on the bus, like, so many years ago, you know, made all the images black and white, and the history textbooks made it seem like she wasn't, you know, alive at this moment in time right now. I think she's still alive, or she she was alive, at, like, at least in the past 10 years, but she made, the history books made it seem like, you know, it was a much longer time frame than that, but Nan, please go, you were saying something. No, you're all good. I wanted to add on that, if I'm not mistaken, it had only been maybe 10 years prior to um, when they first allowed Asian Americans to vote, only 10 years prior, or approximately 10 years, was when Asians could actually become citizens. So in America's past, we've had a really long history of excluding Asians and I know a lot of people tend to overlook it because it's not at the forefront of history. It doesn't ever need to truly be at the forefront but it needs to be addressed right and I think that given that a lot of our generations that are still alive and present right in our communities experience that but are not being heard is a huge issue right the fact that we didn't know about how maybe our grandparents weren't able to vote well more so our great great grandparents if they were in the U.S. Um, things like that and I think that lifting that and really recognizing that we've only been able to vote for not that long. And I think that ties into the model minority myth which is I'm sorry, but we talk about that too much on this podcast. Every episode, but reoccurring theme. Every episode, it gets thrown around. But I really do that think that that ties in a little bit with the model minority myth. Like, oh, why do we have to address this problem? Like, um, oh, like, people assume that Asian Americans, like, I don't know. I think Asian American, like, act, um, social progress and activism often gets left out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, like, topics like voter suppression are a prime example of that. Yeah, like, this is a bit of a random um, connection, but I was seeing, like, all these tweets about, you know, I don't know, someone tweeted, and, like, it started chain, like, saying, oh, like, um, have you guys noticed how, like Asians are not they just don't care about the elections they just don't ca care about politics in general with more aggressive language that I will spare for this podcast but um 
it just then there were like you know so many responses saying like oh Asians are like going to be financially stable regardless of the outcome or like oh they don't need to be concerned by politics they've always been uplifted by it or like they have no struggles doesn't you know matter to them so we've like had this reputation for a while that like we are free from like you know like in this case like you know someone's example like stated or reinforced the stereotype that we're free from economic burden or we're free from you know the burdens of like discrimination even though like in our past like you mentioned like you know there have been so many laws or exclusion acts that you know inhibited our ability to be citizens you know because we would just come here for jobs and then oh it became we're stealing jobs you know we're stealing the economy away from white people so that made it legal for us you know to be here and then we finally came back once it was like acceptable for us to you know contribute to the economy and have our own jobs so that was a really good example you brought up and you also mentioned earlier how um, our democracy could be so different from like the democracy uh, democracy of what immigrants are used to because I feel like it's a huge cultural shock from you know coming from countries like in actually a previous episode me and Melissa talked about you know the Philippines anti-terror ban where it's so stigmatized to be um, like really active in politics there like it's so like insane to the point where you can be thrown in jail you can experience fines if you you know if your activism is deemed like to terrorist-like or to, you know, treason-like. And it's so different, such like a vast contradiction from like America where, you know, being politically aware is so like, you know, um, it's such a big part of our democracy. It's so encouraged. And I think that's, you know, a cultural shock from immigrants to immigrants when, you know, they come here, they're expecting it to be more like of a, like stigmatized thing to be open about elections or, you know, just to even talk about it. So I think we just don't know how to act when we're experienced with that, you know? Have you seen like a similar thing with your family or? I think that a lot of immigrant families do tend to feel as though they're already extremely lucky to be in the United States and they have been presented with so many opportunities that anything that could jeopardize it is not worth it. And this actually goes back to in the past about work and labor, now that you brought up the Exclusion Act, right? Lots of Chinese immigrants would come over to California and everyone was like, ah, yikes, we can't do anything with this. And all of the nativists were like, wow, we just have to get rid of them, right? And with that mentality, that's when Asians were able to come back eventually, right? Then they were like, okay, this opportunity is really big and we just need to make sure that we don't ruin it. So with that in mind, I think that's what drove apoliticism further in the Asian community as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think like something else to mention, like Nina was saying with culture shock, I know when I went to China and when I was, I was like working at a little bakery um, and during our like breaks, we would talk about just like politics, talk about the current events and things like that. And I remember that they would always like kind of shy away from saying too much about politics and kind of say like, it doesn't matter. Like, and even when I was talking about like, um, China's restriction of like the internet and restriction of even looking up things like Tianmin Square um, protests, they just were like, we don't really care, honestly. We don't care to know that knowledge. Like the government is acting 
like on our behalf pretty much um and i thought that was really really interesting and i think that that kind of pertains to like when people immigrate to america um from those countries with stricter governments they kind of feel like again like politics is somewhere where they do not have a say um and i think that in combination with obviously the voter suppression of asian americans throughout history i think that kind of cultivates into this general culture of staying apolitical yeah and also like a common mentality we see among asians is like what doesn't directly affect us doesn't matter isn't like you know it just it doesn't deserve our attention. Like we've seen this in the way we treat the black community by contributing to anti-blackness, you know, to play to our proximity to whiteness and pertain to the model minority myth by making us seem superior compared to any other minority. And we see it now in like how Asians view American politics. Of course, there's that sort of fear factor where, like you said, Nan, we don't want to jeopardize our position in America since it's already unstable. And it was sense that like, you know, we're not exactly the most wanted, you know, demographic here. But also, it's been the case for, like, like you said, if politics is brought up, a good half amount of people are, like, bound to feel lack of connection or, like, obligation or even just, like, like just no inclination to, like, be associated with that or educate themselves. And, like, it's honestly just, like, a stem from all the messages we receive from, like, the media, from politics, from, like, campaigns that, like, you know, if you are part of the AAPI community, we just are going to, you know, turn a blind eye to because your voices are insignificant and, like, this country wasn't necessarily, like, like, the way we've been, like, you know, treated is that this country isn't ours to, like, you know, shape or influence, really, and just, you, I don't know, I feel like that just needs to change, like, from the inside out in terms of, like, how we're viewed and, like, how Asian voices are, like, prioritized, so I definitely agree with, like, how you said, like, you know, the fear of jeopardization, like, also Melissa, like, just, sometimes just like having a lack of regard for like what happens i think that just in general it's really good to have these conversations with in your family even though it's really difficult so as for me i know i'm almost sidetracking but with my family i know that in the past we also tend to stray away from these topics because if you state your political affiliation or your position, then you also jeopardize your friendships, right? And how people perceive you. So I was taught from a young age that don't tell people like what you feel, what you really think. And I think part of it comes from how both of my parents are from Vietnam. It is a socialist country that is quite a bit more strict on what you can really think about and what is deemed correct. One example that I've actually heard from one of my Vietnamese peers is like, if you see a cat and they tell you it's a dog, then you just call that cat a dog and you don't say anything else about it. And I think that's a huge thing is that because a lot of immigrant people are exposed to this culture of just having to agree or just let it be rather than do something about it. That is something that is passed on over many generations. So it's important that if you understand, when you understand that you can make a difference within your own household, to just start talking to your family about it and really think about why this came to be and what realization you made 
all of that kind of stuff just to get the conversation going. Yeah, I definitely agree with like the going with the flow mentality, especially with like if your elders say something about it, you just have to go with the flow, like no questions asked. And um, yeah, just to um, connect to our original topic, like voter suppression, we already know we've like brought up that like, you know, campaigning can really deter from us and like just not, you know, cater to our demographic. Um, yeah, can you just talk about other, you know, shortcomings that are within voter suppression, like the way, you know, um, democracy like works, especially like in terms of, you know, catering towards Asians? Absolutely. So another part of it is voter purges. And especially this goes in with last names and this goes into identification with Asians. So as many of our listeners probably know, Asians, a lot of Asian countries don't use the English alphabet, right, or the Latin alphabet, and hence when they are anglicizing their name, it's not going to be exact all the time. So two people with technically the same last name, they could be spelled differently in English, and that presents a huge problem when they go to voting, because especially if they aren't entirely sure how it was anglicized, it can be hard to remember, right? I know a lot of people who, including myself, I make mistakes of like spelling my name wrong sometimes, not even on purpose, but it's an issue. Not let alone someone who is not entirely sure of how their name might have been anglicized when they were doing their documentation and hence their ID. So with that in mind, something that I've recently found out about was the exact match law that's in Georgia. And essentially what it says is that if your ballot, like on your ballot, if the name is not exact, then they're going to remove your ballot completely. They won't let you know about it, nothing of that sort. It's a huge issue mainly because of how there has been like the Voter Rights Act in the past and it's been really helping the Asian community especially. But with laws such as this being passed, it's a huge issue, right? Because it's not like people can necessarily change what they already did in the first place. Yeah, and I know many people are also scared of like their signatures, if it's in a foreign language, you know, like their own language that they speak and only know how to write in, that will be recognized by whoever's, you know, working in the polls. I'm sure like that's a many fear for immigrants. And yeah, like you said, like with the purges and everything, especially with, um, you know, there's like an abundance of like common last names, you know, Asian last names, like I don't know, Kim, Patel, you know, and then the majority of white people that like will just assume, you know, it's voter fraud and like, you know, we're just registering under different names because I know that Trump in the recent election, he, there were like 3 million votes that he tried to call voter fraud in. And we already know that Trump has done so much to undermine, you know, the votes in general, like, you know, limiting mailboxes and the UPS and just doing so many other things that like won't make it hard for, you know, Asians to vote. And yeah, there's like so many, like, like you said, you know, ways that documentation can be, you know, very like, strict in terms of that and especially you know for minorities like they make it even more strict than for anyone else right and I think some other issues that like it's just so hard to visualize because we aren't experiencing it for example like um 
transportation is a huge issue for many BIPOC communities um, because just being able to go to the polls is a legitimate issue for a lot of people or work hours um, because those like a lot of BIPOC communities tend to like work later um, and and then they don't have an opportunity to vote. Um, and I know this is like kind of a silly point to bring in, but um, that's why people are discussing, should election day be a national holiday? And so that people can take time off of work to be able to vote. Um, and I think COVID-19 especially has kind of highlighted these issues um, of like transportation, of work hours, of even like people being um, kicked out of their homes. How will they be able to vote if like they can't afford rent next month? There's just a lot of different factors. Yeah, and even in the past, like undermining the ability of like lower classes, you know, participate in elections, like that's always been an issue. Like in the past, there have been like liter literary exams that were necessary to be taken because they wanted to see if you're educated. But if you weren't, you know, educated, didn't have the ability to write because you just didn't have access to like that, you know, resources, then you were doomed. You wouldn't be able to vote. You wouldn't be able to like have that experience. Even though the way America sells itself, it sells like this perfect picture of democracy where, you know, everyone gets to get their opinion in. Everyone's vote gets to be taken and taken into account and inputted for when, you know, they still work so incredibly hard to take away the right of those that are minorities. So, and yeah, I just want to like ask you guys, like, why do you think voter suppression is such a big thing? Like, why do you think politicians or campaigns try to you know make that such a big part why do we like why do they pertain to that you know why are asian votes just like so marginalized generally i think that asian americans have never been their target audience because in the past they we the Asian community as a whole has already been marginalized from the start, really, in the sense that they couldn't vote. So later on, it just kind of became a precedent for the future that, oh, even now that Asians can vote, there were so many obstacles that they had to face. And that discourages people from wanting to vote again or go through that process. And once you see, let's say, your family members decide not to vote, then you don't feel as inclined to vote because if they don't find it important, why would you find it important? That kind of thing, right? So that's probably a huge factor into that. Mm -hmm. And I think something else to mention is that um, with BIPOC communities in general, I feel like um, this is kind of an obvious point, but obviously I feel like some parties benefit more than others from um, BIPOC community votes and some parties do not <laughs> benefit from um, BIPOC community votes. And I think that this was like especially seen during this election with Black voters um, voting very heavily for Democrats. Yeah, no, I agree with that, especially with Trump being like literally just the token face for white supremacy it makes sense that you know like asians or any other minority would not be like interested in voting for them just in general i feel like as teens like i don't know when i think of voting right now i just i i personally i feel like i would be all right i would have an okay experience voting because you know my um if i'm still like living with my parents like they have access to a car so i'm privileged in that sense where you know i can go to a vo voting poll but like I necessarily don't have many fears when it comes to voting, but I know it's like a very different case for like other people. And yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any fears about voting? And like, if you have already voted, I don't know how old you are, Nanam. Have you voted in the past or? 
I have not voted in the past. Yeah. I do know I have talked to quite a few people who have voted. I myself am actually a bit anxious about voting, only in the sense because there is a lot of racial bias that occurs, especially towards Asians right now with the pandemic going on. And we're not sure how long the pandemic is going to be going on for. And I have a feeling that it might be something that gets pulled on for a very long time. So then we'll just have to maybe get used to it. And in that sense, I think that there has been a lot of, you know, Asian discrimination because of COVID. They're going to be like, oh, China virus up in here. And although that goes into a whole thing about language, right, I think that a lot of people don't recognize their biases sometimes, and they might be like, oh, can I see extra identified, like, extra IDs? Can I have, see like the papers to make sure this, this and that? And even though I have not done anything wrong per se, I am like an upstanding person, you know, law abiding, all of that. It's still a very nerve wracking thing to go through, right? So I think that that's a huge issue within the the BIPOC community as a whole is that when you experience people having to do extra checks on you, it's like they don't trust you and it makes you not want to go vote as well. Intimidation is itself like a form of voter suppression. Like sure, they're not actually blocking you from voting completely, but they're making it a very like nerve wracking experience, especially for BIPOC communities that may live in like predominantly white communities in the South. Um, Although there's not like, I mean, in history, there's literally been people hired in order to intimidate black voters, intimidate Asian Latino voters from the polls. Um, And although that's not currently happening, there is still a sense of intimidation and asking, like you said, asking for extra ID, um, asking, are you even a citizen, Um, which are questions that would never be asked to someone who is white. Yeah, and I also know that like, in a very limited amount of um, states in the U.S., it is, it is, it's illegal to do this, but in, like, majority of the states in the U.S., it's um, allowed, you know, for people to bring guns to, like, host rallies in front of polling stations, which is, like, just, like, that just goes to show, like, how much, you know, voting can be such a scary experience for many people, especially, you know, if you're an immigrant, if you're new to, like, you know, d- democracy here, like, you're going to be so fearful of that. You're not going to know, like, how to navigate that. So, like, that's just pushing you further away from, like, you know, wanting to vote. Yeah. Did you guys see that, like, insane video? I think it was of, like, Nevada um, votes being counted. Mm-hmm. And there were literally, there was literally, like, a Trump rally with guns outside surrounding the building. Um, the voting building while they were voting because they were upset at, just upset yeah democratic yeah. process of america yeah, yeah. but oh, i so terrifying yeah i think that this election especially has kind of like revealed that like intimidation like if that happened to my county i would be scared to vote in the future yeah. as a person of color and especially if i um especially if i was like an immigrant and couldn't speak english like my like my parents are not um completely fluent in English. I 
like would fear for them if they went to vote um, in a place that literally has people surrounded by guns. Like that is actual suppress like voter suppression yeah and especially with like like you said now like the rise of asian american hate like that's even more scarier in this time right now so yeah i definitely i personally even though like i don't look east asian like i'm visually not east asian like it's obvious you know to people i don't think i would fear for my life that much like you know fear for my safety as much because i'm we're privileged in that sense where no one really like scaring me like oh COVID virus or like you know I'm the holder of you know the pandemic but I would still be like so scared just in in terms of like the guns like the way we've seen like you know capital uprisings or just like other rallies or protests in the past that have gone really wrong but yeah right and in response to you know, the growing anti-Asian sentiment. That's why a lot of Asians are deciding to use absentee ballots. Unfortunately, though, as many people know, a lot of these ballots were not counted because of, well, voter suppression, right? And in the sense that they found them to be invalid and it just so happened that a lot of them tended to be from Asian American households because they could not go to the voting polls, right? So that's also a huge issue within itself. Yeah, for sure. And especially with the example I brought up, you know, where Trump was like limiting limiting the amount of mailboxes that were accessible to people. He knew what he was doing with that. He understood that like, you know, there's a fear factor at the actual poll. So that's like one source to get your ballot in that's, you know, more closed off, more inaccessible, even though it was already inaccessible to begin with, you know, if you don't have access to a car, like transportation, you know, if you're part of the lower class. And now, you know, he was limiting the way to do it from home, you know, send your ballot in in a supposedly safe way, but now, you know, it didn't become an option for people. So I definitely agree, like in terms of, you know, creating solutions on a government level, just like making sure that like, you know, the ways you can get your ballot in is is accessible to people, regardless of, you know, your race or like, you know, economic status. Do you guys have like any other ideas of how we can implement better solutions? So as of right now, the Voting Rights Act is still something that exists, but despite it being signed into law, there are still quite a few issues around it, right? So just because it's in law doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go exactly how we want it to be. What the act essentially says is that it prevents racial discrimination in voting, and we can see right here that it does exist, even though it's not as easy to see or spot potentially if you aren't exposed to it or don't know about it, right? So I think the biggest thing, especially on a government level, is to show or more so provide more information about how they can be voting and some things that people who, especially from the BIPOC community, can do, especially if they can't, let's say, go um, vote on election day, or if they cannot vote because of some other circumstance. Another thing is going back to the whole exact name law situation, or anything of that sort, being more empathetic towards everyone, really, just sending it back saying, Please, you have maybe three days to change your ballot. Make sure that all of your information is correct. Otherwise, we will be 
we will not be counting this ballot. Things kind of like that. Another thing that's really important to do is to aggregate more information about communities. A lot of people are not being exposed to the information that's necessary to know how to vote, where to vote, when to vote, all of that information. And with the language barrier that currently does exist within many communities, it's important to ensure that people are getting the proper resources to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said about like, you know, following through with laws and like making, you know, the supposed effect it should have like very apparent because even though voter intimidation, like it actually is like illegal, like there is a law I know somewhere, you know, in our um, government that says, you know, voter intimidation is not allowed, but that obviously isn't the case, you know, with the Nevada example or just so many other examples we can name. So yeah, I definitely agree with like, you know, implementing that in a better way. Um, I think a final note just in general, is that even though times are tough and there's going to be discrimination still at voting area, voting polls, no matter how much progress we are making, right, there's always going to be some level of it until maybe a while from now. I think it's important to still be updated, make sure that your loved ones, people around you, people in your community, also get that information and do vote no matter what yeah Mm -hmm. want more of dear asian girl you can find us everywhere on apple podcast spotify and anchor we're on everything can't get enough subscribe follow rate review to get all the updates on the latest at dag let us know your feedback and what we can do to improve we also can be found on instagram follow us at dear asian girl to receive updates about our latest episodes and fun facts about the host we'd love for you to reach out dag dear asian girl a podcast dedicated to share the stories of asian girls everywhere for the asian girl by the asian girl Thank you.